Welcome to the Sleepers and Keepers Fantasy Hockey Podcast, part of the Hockey News Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason Chen, and joining me is Michael Amato. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. Episode two. They haven't booted us off the airwaves yet. That's a good sign. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So we've got to be careful and smooth from here on out, I think. No? <laughs> For sure. Yeah, no missteps. Second episode of the Sleepers and Keepers podcast. We're previewing the Central Division. If you missed the Pacific Division, we had that episode last week. And if you haven't already done so, if you don't want to miss any future episodes, please subscribe. This is our first season of the Sleepers and Keepers podcast, so we look forward to providing you guys with any fantasy tips, uh, lineup updates, roster updates, and if you have any questions, please feel free to fire them our way. Uh, our Twitter handles are at JasonChen16 for myself and at Amato underscore Mike for Michael. So let's just hop right into it. Central Division, alphabetical order, Arizona Coyotes. And I think... The burning question is, Logan Cooley, the Coyotes' self-proclaimed best prospect in the world. <laughs> Put a little pressure on him there, yeah. Yeah, uh, versus uh, Adam Fantilli. Um, we know Bedard's, I think, ahead of the group. He's the consensus uh, top pick for the Calder Trophy. So it comes down to second place. Logan Cooley and Adam Fantilli, a bit of a different player, but both uh centers and both potentially top line centers this season uh what are your thoughts i think depends on your league if it's a keeper league i'm probably going after cooley um i think he's going to be the better long-term prospect personally but i think this year fantilly might have more value i think there's probably more talent on the blue jackets right now than there is on the coyotes and i i kind of think cooley's probably going to be the second line center i don't think they're going to break up uh, Schmaltz, Keller, and Hayden, uh, unless there's an injury there or something. So I kind of think he slots into that second line center role. What's your beef uh, with Fantilli? He's a great prospect. He no, no, he is. I just, I just like Cooley a little, a little better long term. I, I think they're super close. And like mm-hmm. I said, Fantilli this year, I, I'm, I'm taking him. Uh, in, a, in a one year league for sure. I think Columbus has a little bit more talent right now than the Coyotes, but. Yeah, I just I just like Cooley a little better. I think Arizona is actually going to be like a really fun fantasy team this year and and I think beyond. so too. Yeah. Yeah, so ADP if you pay attention to that stuff on Yahoo, Logie, Logan Cooley is slightly ahead, 160.5 versus Fantilli at 161.8. The only thing I would add is in a banger league, I think Fantilli has more value. Uh he's just a more physical player. Um he did score a hat trick and 5 points in his first prospects game. Granted it is a prospects game. But, I mean, the bar is set for Cooley, so we'll see what he does. Yeah, and, you know, we'll, we'll see who plays more, too. Like, I think mm-hmm. Columbus has a lot of, whether it's, like, Kent Johnson or Kirill Marchenko, I think they've been giving a lot of opportunities to young players recently. Um, I'm sure Cooley's yep. going to play minutes, too. But, yeah, I, I don't think you can go wrong with either one. Now, the other one is a, sort of a sleeper pick of mine. He's a defenseman. I like him a lot. Sean Dersey. Uh, the Kings acquired him, or I should say the Coyotes acquired him from the Kings. Uh, 31 power points in two seasons, playing behind Drew Doughty. Averages about 19 and a half minutes per game. 65 points, 136 career games played. Uh, how do you like Sean Dersey? I think it's a good spot for him. What I like about him is two years ago, I think more than half of his points came on the power play. And that's when Doughty uh, missed quite a bit of time that season with injury. 
last year, Daddy was pretty much healthy for most of the year, and Jersey still improved on his power play point numbers. So that's a good sign right there. I think he'll probably get the first crack at power play one there. I imagine like bringing him over, they they kind of promised him that. But I do think some of the other players like JJ Moser and, and Yusuf Alamaki will get opportunities as well. So he's going to have to hold it. And, you know, like we talked about, the Coyotes have some talented players. You know, they're not they're probably not going to win a lot of games again, but I think that power play might be better. You know, Keller is really good. Schmaltz, when he's healthy, he's, he's puts up a lot of points. So it's probably going to be a pretty coveted spot. Yeah, so on that first power play, you got that top line. You add in Logan Cooley. And talent-wise, I think that ranks as well as any other group in the league. Um, what really impresses me about Sean Dersey over Moser and Valimaki is that if you look at his advanced stats, and granted he played on the Kings last year, his power play shot attempts, his power play expected goals and actual goals were way higher than both Moser and Valimaki. There is one other defenseman on the Coyotes, Victor Soderstrom, uh, another highly regarded prospect. I don't think he's going to be a threat this year because he's a right-hand shot as well, and they're they're kind of stacked. They're, they got a couple right-hand shots on D already, um, but I like Sean Dersey at Yahoo ADP at 156.0. Um, I think that's really good value for him. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes undrafted, but then ends up in like everyone's roster by the end of the season. Yeah, he'll be on a lot of people's radar. I guess the, the one thing to watch too is you know what are his assignments going to be like. I imagine in LA. Mm -hmm. He was a little more sheltered with with Dowdy and then Gavrikov there as well. Mm -hmm. um, he's probably going to get maybe more minutes this year, maybe tougher assignments. That might be a little bit challenging for him. But yeah, I think you know he, he's sort of a little bit of a power play specialist, and I think he can help you there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving on to Chicago. Now the big question is Connor Bedard. What are his projections, and where do I take him? So, I mean. True to his word, in his first prospects game, he scored a hat trick. His release was incredible. I don't know if you saw a second goal, but he shot that. He shimmied down from the half marks down to the like two feet from the goal line and just roofed it. Crazy angle on that. I saw that. I yeah. can't. And I can't wait until like the regular season starts and we get better replays and video angles of this kid's release. Now we have projections for Bergard. Uh, ESPN Fantasy has him at 90 points. NHL.com has him at 78. Yahoo Fantasy has him at 75. Uh, the Hockey News Fantasy Guide, which you can get for free if you subscribe, go to THN.com slash free. Um, 74 points. And Tony Ferrari, our Hockey News prospect guru, um, he has him at 65 points. Number Fire has him at 65 points. Um, what are your thoughts on those projections? So I've got him at 70 points, so mm -hmm. kind of in between most of those, except for the, the ESPN one that seems a little high. Um, ESPN's out to lunch because they had McDavid <laughs> at 123 points and Bedard at 90. Yeah, I don't think there's enough talent around him to get him much past 70 points, but I do think he's a generational talent. He could probably yeah. just get 70 points with whoever he's playing with. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the interesting thing is his ADP is at 38. That's about 10 spots higher than I ranked him on my on my top 250 I think yeah and I guess it depends on your league like if you if you're starting a keeper league or you're in a keeper league where there's there's no limits on on how long you can keep players I guess you can make an argument that he could potentially be the first pick right like if yeah, you think he's gonna sure. be you know maybe not the next McDavid but similar or close and you can keep him for 15 years 
that's probably worth a really high pick. But if you're in a league where you can only keep players for a set number of years, let's say it's two, three, four years, whatever it is, it probably drops him down a bit. Obviously, in one-year leagues, I think I had him at like 47, 48, somewhere around mm-hmm. there. Because I think he's mm-hmm. going to get around 70 points. Yeah. So in my long-time keeper league, uh, Bedard was taken first overall after yeah. the keepers, which makes sense for me. Um, I'm agreeing with you there, though. Bedard's best seasons are probably three, four, five years from now. Yeah. So if you grab him early, great. But just keep in mind that you're grabbing a player well before his peak. The upside is if you grab him now, you can always trade him later if you have to trade keepers and you could get a huge haul for him. Um, ESPN has him at 33 goals and 57 assists for 90 points. I'm looking at the lineup right now with Taylor Hall and Taylor Radish as potentially his wingers, and I don't think he can get 57 assists out of that. No. (laughs) If anything, yeah, if anything, I think the 33 goal total is a bit low. Um, At the beginning of the – or earlier in the season in April, uh, Tony Ferrari and I sort of collaborated, and we talked about the 11 spots that Connor Bedard could land on, and Chicago was both of our – uh pick at last uh the 11th most desirable or i should say least desirable of the 11 teams um and that was the roster yeah yeah exactly and since then uh they've added felino they've added perry they've asked added taylor hall so we're a bit more bullish on bedard previously we had him around 55 points we've pushed that to 35 goals and 30 Assist for 65 points. I think 35 goals is a good over-under. Where are you taking? Yeah, I'd maybe take slightly over. I, I think it, it's probably... I can see why they'd want to play him with some veteran players, but I, I think probably the better options for him is someone like Athens CU with a lot of speed. Um, even Lucas Reichel. I think yeah, he's young sure. and skilled. Like, I wonder if they give that a shot at some point. Um, I think that would help him more than you know a Taylor Hall or a Felino or you know, Corey, Corey Perry's there somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be up that high in the top six, but I would give some of those younger players a chance with them. Some, some of them that can yeah. keep up with them and, and, you know, have that kind of skill level. Yeah. I don't know if Corey Perry can keep up. I mean, like no. five strides for him, one stride for Bedard, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do like Lucas Reichel on his wing. I think Lucas Reichel's a top notch yeah. prospect. I do like that. Um, Speaking of the Hawks moving to defense, Seth Jones, overrated or not that good, actually? I think he's overrated for fantasy. Like, he, he's in the same category to me as, like, a Thomas Shabbat, where, and I think Shabbat is more valuable than, than Jones for, sure. for fantasy. But I just think those players that play a lot, you naturally think they're, like, really strong fantasy value. But when you really break it down, like, they help you in some volume categories. But mm-hmm. Jones doesn't do any one thing particularly well um i think it's been kind of a nightmare for him and plus minus in recent years if you it's have always going to be a nightmare if, if you have that category um so yeah like players that play a lot are are good to keep an eye on because that's an underrated thing in fantasy hockey in my opinion the players that play the most are just going to get more blocks and, and more hits yeah. and more shots naturally but there's nothing that really stands out um, with jones for me okay fair enough uh, speaking of playing time, the Avs, Jonathan Drouin, top six or not? They just signed Thomas Tatar, by the way. And I figured they would sign someone else because their forward depth was pretty thin. But where do you have Drouin? So I had Drouin as a great 
sleeper this year just because I thought he would play with uh, McKinnon and Ranton, and mm-hmm. now I'm I'm not so sure with the Tatar signing. Yeah, he still might. Um, I just think there's obviously a lot more competition there now. Um, Tatar's probably been more consistent mm-hmm. than Drew, and he's obviously been in the lineup more. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I think a lot of it depends on you know Ken Druin just kind of start producing and, and stay up with those two guys. And and do the abs even play those two guys on the top line or do they yeah. split them? Do they move Ranton and down um, on the second unit? So I think if they're playing McKinnon and Ranton in together, you're going to want whoever that winger is. And obviously there's also, you know, Lekkinen is there and a Chishkin. Yeah. Those guys could have a say in it too. But I'd imagine if they're, if they're going Ranton and McKinnon, they're probably going to, keep Lekin and the Chishkin down to try and balance out a bit with, with Johansson maybe. So uh, we'll see. I think I would, I don't know if I would draft Druin, but I would definitely keep an eye on waivers earlier in the season. I think he is a good sleeper. Yeah. So Lekin is usually the guy with uh, Rantanen and McKinnon, but Lekin also played with Nuchishkin quite a bit last year. It, yeah. It's hard to tell sometimes because the abs went through so many injuries um, now that you have Tatar there, I think Johansson's entrenched as their number two center. So if Duran, to me, is more like McKinnon's line or bust because I don't yeah. see him fit anywhere else in the lineup. And for a guy who doesn't shoot, I mean, I feel like he's a perfect fit for McKinnon and Rantane who combined for like, what, 700 shots a year? Yeah, and I... And I you know, McKinnon knows him from junior. I imagine there's some kind of connection there. Yeah. Um, Although it was a decade ago. So yeah, I imagine he, <laughs> he vouched for him to come in or something. So for sure. maybe, maybe that's part of, you know, the, the sales pitch was you'll play with Nathan McKinnon. So we'll see, but it, it you know, Tatar is going to be stiff competition for him for sure. Yeah. And I think Drew Ann has a long way to go to rebuild some of the goodwill and the fantasy value that he had previously. Yeah. So um and you mentioned him too uh second line center ryan johansson uh over the past 12 seasons or throughout his career actually he scored more than 60 points six times so 50 percent of the time are you taking the over or under on 60 points this year i'm going under i'm not high on johansson i'm not high at all i'm any Why? Of those, any of those preds from two seasons ago? I think we're going to talk about Duchesne in a bit here too. Yeah, yeah, that all had crazy years on inflated shooting percentages. I'm not super high on. Um, you know, if if Rantanen does drop down and plays with him, um, maybe there's a chance, but I, I just don't see it anymore. I think I think he had that one season a couple of years ago that was really strong with the preds, and then you know, out of the last you know three or four that he's had, he hasn't really been super valuable. I guess if your league counts face-offs it's it's he's a little bit more valuable obviously mm-hmm. because he's going to take draws he is in the top six he's probably not playing on your top power play there barring injury so i don't know i just i'm not i'm not super high on, on him at this point um so i'll say under i'm going the over i like ryan johansson not just because he's a bc boy um i like his skill set i do wonder about pace the avs like to play fast yeah. johansson is not that quick of a player um but i do think he has quite a bit of playmaking ability and i think in the right spot with the right wingers and they have some speedy wingers i think he could be over 60 points if not around there um he's great for assists if you need those uh i think on the power play he could make the second unit better it'd be interesting to see what units or what player they go with as the fourth forward on the power play 
Um, you're right, though. He's probably not going to be there, so that might cap him a little bit. But I do like Johansson as like a late-round pick, um, especially if you need face-offs, too, as you said. There's definitely upside there. You can't argue with that. But yeah, you're, you're way more optimistic. Than <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of upside, Bowen Byram. Um, this is a player I feel like everyone's drafted in the past three seasons, hoping for like that big home run defenseman, the one that can get you a lot of points. Hasn't done so because of injuries. And only 91 games played over the past three seasons. Uh, scored at a 38-point pace last year. Actually averaged 22 minutes. Uh, per game last season when he played. Um, do you think this is the season he stays healthy and breaks out? It's possible. I think it's obviously tough. He's going to be stuck behind Makar, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think he had double double digit goals last year in, in like 42, 43 games, something like that. That was pretty impressive. I think he's more of a good multi-cat guy. He's decent for hits, solid for blocks. Um, mm-hmm. He can give you some offense. If there's a Makar injury again, I think his, yeah. his value shoots up, obviously. Um, but I, I actually like Byram. I, I think it's probably going to be some time before he has, you know, really breaks. I don't know. If, I don't mm-hmm. know if this is the year, but I, I think he's probably a steady guy that can give you a lot of category coverage. For a guy who roves around and and scores quite a bit of goals for a defenseman, he surprisingly doesn't shoot the puck that much. Yeah, which was always shocking to me. That's one knock on him for sure. Yeah, and honestly, it's a crowded blue line because they've used Devon Taves. And Samuel Gerard on the power play units as well. I think they might be actually one of the few teams that uses second or two defensemen on their second unit. Um, so there's a lot of competition there. Um, I do like Bo and Byron, but I feel like D's pretty deep this year. I feel like you can probably let him go undrafted and pick him up if if he gets hot or if you know he stays healthy. Yep, that's definitely a possibility. He's he's one to just keep an eye. He's probably gonna be a streamer, have some streaky runs, streaky weeks, mm-hmm. then go quiet. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, streaky players <laughs> you mentioned over already. Matt Duchesne strikes me as a very streaky player. Had a fantastic season with the Preds. Uh, speedy player, uh, can play center or right wing. So if you have a uh, position, uh, that dual eligibility is nice. Probably going to play with Tyler Sagan. What are your thoughts on Matt Duchesne? Again, I'm I'm not super high on him. I got I got him in the Johansson category. You know, I think all, I think all those Preds that uh, were really had really good seasons two years ago, came crashing back down to earth. I don't, I don't think he gets, I don't think he gets into the stars top six. Does he like, is he going to be on? Well, so like the stars have one really good line, right? But to me, they have two kind of like second lines that could also be third, like two and a half, 2.5. They have two of those, but that's, I think the way to go, I think you should have one really good line that you can rely on two other lines that you can count on to score and then one banger line. Yeah. Um, I mean, outside of that crazy Jamie Ben season last year, they, they haven't been able to generate much beyond that first line. Um, and I imagine it's going to be Ben Wyatt Johnson and maybe Dodonov, Dodonov probably on the yeah. second line. So maybe you're looking at Sagan, Duchesne and Marchment. Yeah. Maybe. But that's a good looking line, don't you think? Marchment, Duchesne, and, and Sagan. Like it's I, it's okay. I mean, Sagan, I think Sagan's what a 50, 50 point player now at best. Like I don't see him 
Okay. Getting well, too you're much down money. on everyone. You're not welcome in Dallas or Nashville. Anymore. Sorry, I'm negative. I'm <laughs> negative today. I don't, my my New York Giants lost last week. I'm still still smarting. I'm well, still that's your fault for yeah. being a Giants fan. Well, yeah, I'm taking it out on on Duchesne and Johansson. Sorry. <laughs> um, Duchesne and Johansson, maybe. Uh, because the Jets came off with a good win last week. Um, I both uh, have them both over 60 points um, or around there. I really think Duchesne not having to be the guy as he was in Nashville, not having that big contract hanging over him, um, being in Dallas, playing with a better team. Um, I think it's going to open up his game for him. Uh, but both players, Duchesne and Johansson, I'm not going to take them early. I'm not going to reach. But in the late rounds, if I'm looking for some depth scoring, those are guys I would love to take. Well, we know who the optimist is between the <laughs> two of us. Awesome. Good. We have some compare and contrast. One's got to be the angel. One's got to be the devil. That's right. I'm sure we'll flip roles at some point <laughs> yeah. this season. No, for sure. Um, the other burning question I have for the stars is Jake Ottinger. Now, we both agree that he's an elite goalie, but he's coming out of the NCAA. Uh, they don't play that many regular season games. Uh, he's really relied on all the time. I think they have a good backup in Scott Wedgwood. And if you look at his uh, career splits, he just tends to fade in March. And in the past two playoffs, he's also gotten tired. Now, granted, I mean, that happens when you have to stop 40, 50, 60 pucks a game. Um, but do you have any concerns about Ottinger's playing time this season? Do you think maybe he'll be around 50 starts rather than 60 starts? I think he'll be closer to that. Um, yeah, if you notice last season, really struggled in the playoffs. And if you add up his total games last year, regular season and playoffs, it was actually more games than he played in the previous two years combined. So that was mm -hmm. a lot of hockey for him. And I think it hurt mm -hmm. him. I don't think he's... I think he's still a true number one, obviously. I don't sure. think he's I don't think he's dropping down to like a 50-50 split, but I'd imagine he's but they're, they're gonna try to probably get him, you know, between 50 and 55 starts this year instead of upwards of 60. So maybe that impacts your decision at all if you're choosing between him and another high-end netminder. But obviously he's he's got the age on his side if you're in a keeper yeah. league. Um he's somebody you're gonna want to grab, good team. And I guess it also depends on you know, how good the stars are. Do they have a playoff spot kind of locked up? Because last year they were kind of still jockeying for position right up until the last week. So they probably had to play him more. Um, if they get something kind of sewn up a little bit earlier, they can obviously rest him more. Yeah, and I think it helps when Scott Wedgwood has emerged as, I think, one of the better backups in the league. Um, if you look at Ottinger's uh, career splits, um, disregarding the three games he's played in May in his career, um, in every single month, he's finished with a save percentage above 914, except for March, where he's 901 with a 2.83 goals against. Um, he's 19-9-4 uh, in that month. But last month, or last season, I should say, his March stats weren't that good. He just managed to win nine games because the Stars offense kind of bailed him out a little bit. Yeah, he's an interesting one, obviously. He's still young. He, it takes a while, I think, for a goalie to get into that level of playing 60 plus games there's yeah. not that many that can do it and i think you're right about wedgwood he is a solid backup but i don't think he's like a, a 35 to 40 game guy no. he's still a 25 game guy to 30 so i think odinger is still gonna play a lot it's just he might see a few less starts from him this year yeah yeah great uh streaming option though that wedgwood yep um in my league in my keeper league um i had the option of keeping uc saros or Jake Ottinger. 
I picked Jake Cottinger. Did I make the right decision? I think you did. Yeah, simply. Yeah, because I know you hate Nashville. So yeah, well, I don't hate <laughs> Nashville. I, just, I I think Odinger's got, like I said, got the age on his side. Okay. Dallas is a better team right now. I think Odinger is the right call. Okay. I'll have to say something good about Nashville when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking of goalies, Minnesota Wild. Uh, the big question for me: Philip Gustafson or Mark Andre Fleury? How do you see this timeshare? I think it's going to be similar to what the Bruins did last year. Um, Gustafson gets maybe a few more starts in Flurry, but I think it's still going to be close, closer to 50-50. I think Gustafson, obviously, that's the guy I would draft uh, ahead of Flurry there. But he has a really small sample size still, hasn't played a ton of hockey. Um, at some point, I feel like the Wild have a lot of dead cap tied up into – the Suter and Parise buyouts. At some yeah. point, I feel like that's going to start hurting them, and I think they're going to get less competitive and are going to struggle a little bit more for wins, which I think is, is not going to be ideal for someone like Gustafson. I'm still taking Gus ahead of Flurry, but I think it's a lot closer than people think. I think the starts will be closer to 50-50 than people think. Okay. I'm in the similar boat. I think Gustafson should be the starter. There was no way they should have rotated goalies in the playoffs last year. Um, I think going with Flurry in game two was a huge mistake, especially after Gustafson had that incredible game one uh, record breaking performance. Um, I think for Flurry, so the danger is like sometimes narrative comes into play, and Flurry is second all time in wins. Yep. He's not that far from Patrick Waugh. So at the beginning of the season, I feel like there's a chance the Wild may go to Flurry early to see if he can catch that record. Because if he doesn't, you don't want that to become a sort of distraction, uh, for lack of a better word, later in the season. Yep. Uh, you don't want to be fighting for a playoff spot and trying to get Flurry to that record if Gustafson's playing better. Um, I do think Gustafson's going to regress. He had an incredible run last year. But even with the regression, I still think he's the guy. Marc-Andre Fleury is like 40 years old. <laughs> he's not that reliable night tonight anymore. Uh, but he still overall he played pretty well last year. He had a really rough start. Mm, I remember yeah. tons of people messaging me, should I drop him? Should I drop him? After October and into November, he he's really settled down and he was a, a decent option, which is why I think the Wild were still mm -hmm. comfortable enough going to him in the playoffs, which I, I agree with you. That was a mistake. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think you know, I think you're right. Like Gustafson, he will regress just based on how how good he played. So in terms of draft strategy, how would you how would you approach this? It's probably a good tandem to try and yeah. get if you can get them. That, that's always what you want to do, whether it's like Allmark Swayman or Anderson Ranta, um, something like that. If you can get both guys, it's, it's a huge benefit because it, it is a little bit tough to figure out who's going to mm -hmm. play more. And even if one, like even if Gustafson plays more, it's probably not going to be by that much. So, right, right. Um, if you're looking for more wild options, I have one. This is another personal favorite of mine, uh, Kalen Addison. If you're looking for power play points deep in your league, this is the guy I think you should take. Um, I compared him to Adam Fox, Quinn Hughes, Josh Morrissey, Vince Dunn, and Drew Doughty. And I picked these players because these are power play quarterbacks that don't tend to shoot the puck a lot. Addison doesn't shoot the puck, but he does pass the puck quite well. Uh, last year, he finished with 29 points, 18 of which were on the power play. All of them were assists. Only averaged 16 minutes a game. I think Dean Evison wants him to be a better two-way uh, even-strength player, which is why maybe Brock Faber is a bit of a threat to his playing time. 
But if you look at the advanced analytics um, in terms of power play shot attempts, expected goals, and actual goals, Kalen Addison compares very favorably, like in the Fox and Hughes tier. I don't know if he's there yet, but do you have any thoughts about Kalen Addison as maybe a, a power play uh, point producer for your fantasy team? So I think you hit on it a little bit for me. And if you look at all these players, the one thing that really stands out is is his separation of ice time. He plays so much less than everyone else. And mm-hmm. last year, yeah, that was a big problem for him was his sort of two-way game. And he actually got healthy scratched a handful of times. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. So that's my fear with him. If he doesn't correct that, is he going to miss you know, mm-hmm. a handful of games for you? Um, mm-hmm. Again, if you're debating on him and somebody else that's pretty comparable, you, you need to keep that in mind. But I do like his upside. I, I don't think the Wild have a lot of um, challengers for that top quarter power play quarterback position yeah. so i think it's a good spot for him but yeah that's just something you're gonna have to be mindful of him of, of with him so addison's going undrafted in most leagues right now i think that's appropriate he's a deep sleeper yeah uh but if you look at adp it goes fox hughes morrissey dunn and dowdy do you believe in do you do you think that order is correct Yes, I, I, w- I would say so. I'm. I, I think. I think that's probably accurate. I, I'm slightly debating Dunn over Morrissey if if Morrissey really regresses a lot, but I, I don't. I don't think he's going to regress that far. Dunn's an interesting one. Um, if you look at his advanced stats, he doesn't rate that well. Zero power play goals last season, which is kind of strange because he scored 14 even strength goals. That's a lot for a defenseman. Yeah. And um, just doesn't shoot the whole puck a whole lot. I think Dunn is valuable because on Seattle, there's no other challenger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what it is. All right. Let's move on to Nashville, your favorite team. All right. I got to find something good. What do we got? <laughs> okay. All right. Let's start off with this mailbag question. Thank you to Peter Bailey for submitting this one. Uh, any chance we see Yaroslav Askarov in Nashville this year? I think it's possible. All he has to do is really beat out Kevin Lankinen, which doesn't sound too hard to do. Um, <laughs> I guess the challenge is, you know, nobody, time. Yeah, nobody really plays more than Sorrows. Nobody mm-hmm. starts more than Sorrows. So if he is there, um, how much is he going to play? I suppose if Nashville, you know, isn't really in the in the race this year, maybe they don't need to play Sorrows as much and maybe they'll give Askarov a look. I think if I remember right, I heard some insiders talking about his name was floated around at the draft. Um, yeah. And I thought I heard Montreal might've been one of the teams they were talking to. So I wonder if, if, you know, if they do sign Saros long-term, I think he's got two years left mm-hmm. um, on his deal. Then what are you doing with the scar of? So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he's somebody that gets moved at some point, but I think if you're Nashville, you probably want to look at him in some NHL games before you make a decision on, yeah. you know, A, what are you doing with Saros, and B, are you going to move him or not? So the big thing with the young goalie is reps, and yeah. he's not going to get a lot of reps playing behind Saros. So I don't think we're going to see a scare off very often this year. Um, he's going to get his reps in the AHL. Um, and I do kind of uh, harken back to how they brought along Saros when Peke Rene was in front. Um, Saros actually came into the league a little late because he had been uh, Rene's backup for a while, and they kind of slowly transitioned to to Saros after Rene. I can see them doing that scare off, um, but granted, 
UC Soros has a ton of good hockey left in him. Um, I think if Nashville wants to, I guess, jumpstart their rebuild or grab another, you know, high top six, high top four player, Askarov's great trade bait. Um, but as far as fantasy goes, I'd leave Askarov off the draft list. Um, just keep him on the watch list just in case he gets called up. But I mean, I don't think we're going to see a lot of him this year. No. I mean, if you're in one of those crazy deep, dynasty leagues where you can put guys on the minors and on your bench yeah maybe that's someone you look at but yeah beyond that no um nashville went through a ton of changes this season going to this season their number one center is going to be ryan o'reilly um thn's fantasy guide has him at 56 points do you think that's conservative just right or too low i think it's high um i'm not Super high on O'Reilly, but <laughs> but there's a but here. Thomas Novak, I yes. I I think he's a great sleeper. I think Novak can step up, and I think he can unseat O'Reilly for mm-hmm. that top center spot. Mm-hmm. Novak had uh, 43 points in 51 games last year, a great point pace, and he barely played with really any offensive threats. Like didn't play with Forsberg at all, really. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if he gets a chance to move up. Um, he, I think he's a much better guy for points leagues but mm-hmm. i think he can put up points if he's playing on that top line with forsberg and he just has to beat out o'reilly who's kind of slowed down a ton offensively yeah. I, I think novak can pull it off yeah and for a team that's already promised to play faster under andrew brunette like o'reilly's never been a burner right no. and he's just getting older so i wonder how that works um we've kind of touched on this before i wouldn't be surprised if they hard match so o'reilly gets a lot of d zone face-offs Novak gets a lot of the ozone face-offs. I yeah. think that just makes sense. Um, the one guy I think is a threat to both is Cody Glass. I thought he played quite well last year. I just think he's more of a two-way center now rather than a playmaker. Uh, yeah. Novak is a bit of a late bloomer, um, was a University of Minnesota Golden Gopher, I believe. Um, and he's going undrafted in most leagues right now. So if he goes there undrafted, go. great pickup. If you're in like one of those deep leagues and it's round 20 and you're struggling for a name, I think Novak's great. Uh, the only other guy I would point out is Luke Evangelista. Uh, he's a winger rather than a center. Uh, 15 points in 24 games last year. Uh, really great point per game pace at 0.63. So if you need a little depth option, I think he's great. Um, the The Preds are kind of committed to playing him in the top six because it's pretty thin up there. Um I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being on the top line playing against uh, or playing opposite Philip Forsberg. Uh, but there's some wingers who are in the mix as well. Tomasino and Kiefer Sherwood. Uh, Tomasino's uh, a bit of a high, relatively high uh, drafted prospect. I think that he could make a difference, but it's Novak Evangelista for me for the Preds. Nashville seems like a team that's going to give opportunities to young players this year so just keep yeah, an eye on they kind of have to right yeah keep keep an eye <laughs> on whoever's getting up getting top power play time time up in the top six um yeah i might want to grab those players off waivers for for streaming yeah uh speaking of young players joel hofer um i took this goalie with my very very last pick in my keeper league um it was not part of my zero g strategy because i kept ottinger but i just felt like in the last rounds I should take a shot at a goalie who I think has the potential to take over. So the question is, does he take over and when does he take over? I had Hofer in my zero GP piece that I wrote last week. Uh, I think he can 
overtake Bennington. I mean, I don't think it's that difficult. Bennington's numbers have been plummeting since he won the Stanley Cup. Uh, I think it. I think he's a good late round gamble. The question for me is really how good are the Blues going to be, right? Mm. So I think when you go zero G, a lot of times you want to try and target goalies on really strong teams that you know, if nothing else, they're going to fill the win column for you. You know, are the Blues going to bounce back or are they going to sort of keep kind of retooling, rebuilding? I think it depends on how you feel there because even if Hofer takes over, you know, is he just going to be on like a mediocre team that's not going to win a ton of games? How do you feel about the Blues in general, though? I think I'm slightly more optimistic than some people, but it's going to be tough for them. I, I think there's a lot. There's a few few teams better than them in their division. I, I think they're probably a bottom. You know, I think they're there's probably three or four teams better than them in in the Central. So it's going to be tough. Um, I, I think they might have a tough time making it again, but I don't think they'll be, you know, like a lottery team or anything. Yeah, and Holfer's he's got the pedigree, right? He's he's six foot five, so he fits the modern prototype of a big goalie. He's a WHL champ, World Junior champ, uh, was named the best goalie at the 2020 World Juniors. Um, Jordan Bennington is more um, worried about knocking people out than stopping pucks. So <laughs> Hofer probably a little more focused on stopping the puck, hopefully. Um, you're right, St. Louis is a bit of a wild card. Um, Tori Krug is being evaluated on October 1st. Um, he was injured. We'll see how that affects them. Um, but he didn't that have that much of an impact last year, so we'll see. Um, speaking of players with outsized impacts, Josh Morrissey uh, on the Jets. Regression time? You almost think he has to, right? That season yeah. came so much out of nowhere. But if you look at some of the his statistics, um, you know, he, he his shooting percentage wasn't crazy high. It was a little bit higher than than normal. Mm-hmm. His ice time didn't really go up too much than than what he normally plays. So mm-hmm. I think there's some good backup data there to say, you know, he's not going to completely plummet and fall yeah. off a cliff here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think he, I think his numbers will just go down a little bit for sure. Yeah, for sure. I can't see him scoring at like a point per game pace again. Uh, granted a lot of that came with the extra power play ice time that he received. Yeah. But he, it does seem like a huge outlier season. If you consider his career averages, um, if you exclude his one game appearance, uh, in his first season and, uh, the most recent season, he's averaging about 27, 28 points a season. Um, so I think it's not that Morrissey's a bad player, but good players can have, uh, really good luck for one season and keep in mind that I think the Jets have a bit of competition on the blue line with Neil Pionk who I think is really great for banger leagues and and standard leagues as well yeah and I think they've also lost a little bit of talent right yeah for sure like Wheeler's gone um you know and they might lose gone. more yeah and it sounds like you know they could be moving on from other players as well so that always that always impacts players like Morrissey. Yeah, uh, one of the flashpoints for the Jets, Nikolai Ehlers. Um, oh man, free free Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah, <laughs> uh, average career ice time is sixteen thirty six. Uh, last season, averaged less than sixteen minutes per game. Lowest of his career, I think. Brutal. I know, and which is nuts because if you look at any statistic, you break it down uh, per sixty minutes, he is an elite scoring winger. So the problem with fantasy is that we're kind of prisoner to what the coaches do. So if Rick Bonus doesn't play Nikolai Ehlers, I mean, there's no fantasy value there, right? 
No, and and you got to hope that you know some of the players that have departed that we mentioned, um, and maybe you know who knows what they're going to do with Shifley or anybody <laughs> else. You'd think that would by default make Ehlers play a little bit more, which yeah. you need because his numbers were were still pretty good offensively. So I mean, he just needs more ice time, I think. And and I don't know how much of that was. I know he was dealing with some injuries last year and he was trying mm-hmm. to play through them. I think in the playoffs, there was some, some stuff where he was trying to get back into the lineup and couldn't. So, you know, maybe he was playing hurt too. Maybe that's a part of it, but yeah, Rick bonus is an interesting one when it comes to deployment. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what coaches have against Nikolai Ehlers. Like he passes the eye test so well, plays both ends very well. I just don't get it. I really don't. <laughs> Yeah, Free Nikolai Ehlers. You got to start that campaign on Twitter or something. It's a mystery. Yeah, I'll, I'll lead that charge. <laughs> okay. Uh, real quick, one more player to talk about in the Jets. Gabe Velarde. He's the centerpiece of that Kings deal where they traded Pierre-Luc Dubois. 41 points in 63 games played. A bit of an inflated shooting percentage at 18.9. Le- averaged less than 60 minutes as well. Uh, what do you think of Velarde? Well, I actually like his his prospects there because of some of the things we mentioned, you know, players mm-hmm. departing. And I think sometimes when we look at a player that's left a stronger team to go to maybe a little bit of a less talented team, there's a tendency to think that hurts them. And sometimes it does, but I think in Velarde's case, it might mean like an uptick in ice time, maybe yep. more power play time. So it actually might help him overall, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so I think he's a decent gamble in your last few rounds. Um, mm-hmm. Someone's going to, he'll play in the top six there for sure. Second power, power play. So I, I, I'd probably roll the dice on him. Agreed. Uh, they're missing some centers. So we'll see if he plays center or, or right wing. Yeah. Um, and befitting of the name of our podcast, sleepers and keepers uh, name your one sleeper for this division and your keeper for this division. I'm going to say Barrett Hayton um, mm. had a really strong finish to the season. I think 34 of his 43 points came in the second half. Um, really like him on that line with Schmaltz and Keller. Uh, if he plays, a, if all three of those guys can stay relatively healthy, I think he's he's going to be a good sleeper. Um, and my keeper, we just talked about the Jets. I like Cole Perfetti in the top six. Again, he's had some injury issues. I think he also has, or he did last year anyway, have triple eligibility, which was great in Yahoo, center left wing, right wing. Um, just a good young, talented player that I, I'd like to see um, take a step this year. Shocking, no Nashville players. Shocking. It, yeah, just couldn't find one. Couldn't squeak one. In. Wait till you get a Nashville hot chicken sandwich. It'll change your life. You'll know love uh-huh. Nashville forever. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> uh, my sleeper at the Central, uh, we talked about it, Matt Duchesne. Uh, my keeper, I'm not, you know, breaking the chain or breaking the wheel or anything here, but I like Bedard and Cooley. Um, Bedard's too obvious with picks, so I'll just go with Logan Cooley for my keeper. I too would keep Bedard. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a pretty good decision, right? Like kind of fail proof. Yeah. I don't it's know. A safe pick. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this marks the end of our second episode, the Central Division Preview. Thanks for everyone for tuning in. Thanks to Michael Spicer for this awesome intro and outro music. If you'd like to connect, again, if you have any questions for our mailbag, you can find us on Twitter slash X at Jason Chen 16 at, at Amato underscore Mike. Uh, If you like listening to our fantasy hockey show, please follow us, subscribe, and give us a review. We'll have a new episode next Monday. And next Monday, we're previewing the Metro Division. Thank you, and thanks for listening.